Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Odyssey Station. The score! Swing and a miss. Strike three and the ball game is over. And the Chicago Cubs have clobbered the Philadelphia Phillies by a score of 15 to 2. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome in. Welcome back. The future Hall of Fame tones of Pat Hughes giving you the final. 15 to 2 over the Phils, and Cubs are well on their way to winning the Stanley Cup. That's an excellent team they have for that purpose. Joining me now on the Scores guest line, and the Scores guest line is presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, is Evan Altman. He's the editor in chief of Real Cubs Insider co-host of The Rant. Evan, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful day out. The, the Cubs are the best team in baseball in the second half of the season, right? So, yes, uh, so we're are. feeling pretty good. Okay, so um, you addressed in long form earlier this week what everybody wants to do when everybody wants to play the fantasy game of acquiring Juan Soto. A week ago, Juan Soto said, no, no, I'm not doing this. You're going to pay me real money. And the Nationals said, no, we aren't. So now he's on the market. What are, what are, what do you think are the Cubs' chances of doing it? Could they do it? Would they do it? Will they do it? Uh, could they do it? Yes. Um, I mean, they've, they've got enough prospect depth, uh, or at least it, it would appear that way. Um, and, and within the next couple of weeks, they'll probably have a lot more and they've been signing a lot of these draft picks. I mean, it, it certainly appears as if the nationals are in the mood for a, for a long rebuild and they're looking at, at a prospect heavy haul. The Cubs could definitely match that price. Um, but as far as would they, I, I think the issue with a Soto trade and where I've said, I, I don't know that it makes them better, um, is primarily around what would have to happen after that you do not trade for Juan Soto to have him for two and a half years you trade for a 23 year old superstar to have him in the fold for another decade or so and whatever that contract that he gets whatever extension is probably going to have to start with a five uh as far as 500 million so you're talking about half a billion dollars for a team that has clearly not shown a great deal of interest in extending its current stars and then beyond that you would have to spend a great deal more. Uh, I think we can all agree this Cubs team is uh, is not built to compete. That's not saying anything uh, extraordinary. But if you lose players at the deadline and then you were to acquire Juan Soto, you'd still have to spend so much money to build pieces around him. That's where I think the issue comes in for the Cubs, and, and I don't know that it would be a, a great option for him at this point. My guest is Evan Altman, editor-in-chief at Real Cubs Insider. We're talking to Cubs here. We're talking to Juan Soto. You're, there's a difference between <clears throat> what Happ has done and what Contreras has done and what at what age he is, and Juan Soto being of an age that you the only comp for him under 24 is Ted Williams. So you're dealing with a whole different set of investments. 
And you would think that a, what, a team that claims to be big market would say, okay, this is where we're starting, and now we're going to acquire it. There was a lot of yammering about the, the Cubs and not having that roster, not spending that money, but, but wagging the big watch us this December in free agency. So I think they could go hand-in-hand and should for a big market team. Yeah, they absolutely should. Um, so, you know, I, I think the issue comes into, you know, if you, if you look around the league, I mean, there's a, there's a couple teams that stand out, right? Not just the Nationals, who, as bad as the Cubs are, the Nationals are the worst record in the league. You look at the Angels with a pair of superstars. The issue is not so much committing money or time to a singular talent. And obviously any team would want to have that. Uh, the issue is how can they go about filling out the rest of the roster. And I think part of the reason the Cubs are in, I don't think this, this is absolutely the truth. The, the reason they're in the position they are now is not because they had great players and not because they didn't extend those great players is because they did a really poor job of surrounding those core players with the kind of team that can make you competitive. Uh, you know, one player uh, in baseball in particular, it's going to take two or three around whom you've got to really put a bunch of talent. And I know they've got some guys on the common, the minors, but again, they would have to do so much of a better job of surrounding Soto with that talent. And that's, you know, I don't want to say I don't trust Jed Hoyer to do it, but if you if you go big on one player, you're still going to have to go very, very big on surrounding talent. And again, I just don't know that ownership is going to be willing to push in that far based on what we've seen over the last few years and the, and the lack of willingness to surround those stars with the type of players they need. It, it just... I'll believe it when I see it. Put it that way. Okay, I, I and I get that. I, I, in favor of that, that skepticism is is earned and natural. So then, aside from let's say they're not in the Soto Derby, then are do they keep trading the Contreras's and Haps and Hendricks and David Robertson for all the kids you can gather and see where they are in November? and then assess the free agent market? Is that the way this gets played or, or, how, or what? You know, it, it sort of feels that way. I do think, you know, we've, we've heard, you know, there are rumblings that they were interested in, in uh, Dom Smith of the Mets. And that was before he went on the, on the IL. Now that seems like a really odd fit. But, you know, I, I do think there's also a possibility when you look at their recent draft strategy. You know, they got a lot of college players, a lot of big-bodied guys who they think they can come in and, I, you know, with a – a couple of tweaks here and there. Obviously, we saw you know 16 pitchers. I think they're looking at quickly revamping the pitching side of things. They know they have a lot of position players on the way up, and you know I could see them, depending on what happens at the deadline. Maybe you know one one is to go out and, and trade for a bunch of teenagers, but they could also go and find some players that they think are, are close to being major league ready. Then they know what some of these guys are coming up. They know that in the next couple of years they'll be able to then see, okay, here's what we need to add at what spots and, and be a little bit more targeted. But, you know, based on what we see right now, based on what's in-house, it's hard to imagine them really truly pushing all in to be competitive prior to 24. That's just where the timing is right now with the prospects. You know, again, unless they make a splash, but that would necessitate other moves, like I said. So at this point, it does look like they're going to keep kind of playing this thing out and, and maybe look at next year as, as sort of that transition before really – really pushing in all right, all right let me uh, let me play a game with you or an exercise however you want to look at it evan i'm going to give you the starting lineup from last night's cubs game who's who's part of the who do you keep who's part of the starting lineup who's part of the roster when they go to spring training next year leading off was rafael ortega and behind him pinch hitting and playing center field nelson velasquez We'll go position by position at this point. So Ortega uh, Velasquez. Ortega's gone. I could see him being I could see him being moved, uh kind of a kind of a sell high. Uh, I don't think he's back with the team. Velasquez definitely uh with the two home runs last night and, and again he's the one who really came on in the Arizona Fall League. I think he's a guy they, they keep for the future. Okay, so that's one of the two. All right, so that's one guy top of the air. Uh batting second last night, Wilson Contreras. Yeah, uh, unless they re-sign him as a free agent after trading him away, uh, which is possible. You know, he said uh, he said the All-Star game wasn't his last time in, in a Cubs jersey, or so he felt, unless he's coming back as a coach at some point. 
but yeah, I, I think it's uh, feels like fate accompli that he's traded at this point. And pinch running and catching was PJ Higgins. I should have included him with Contreras. So Contreras is a no. PJ Higgins. <clears throat> uh, he, he's a yes. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to have a big hole at catcher. Uh, I think uh, Jan Gomes is still under contract. And uh, I think Higgins is, is a backup. Uh, and, uh, you know, he can move around the field a little bit. So, yeah, he's back. Batting third yesterday, Seiya Suzuki. Absolutely sense. back. No trade clause, five-year contract. I just don't. I, I just, it, he had a first month. He was he was having Kosuke Fukudomi's year, and then he got hurt, which may have restarted things. Maybe he can avoid the Kosuke Fukudome the the descent into horribleness and I hope that I hope he's able to do that. They need him to be good for that money. After that, Ian Happ. Uh I based on what we're seeing, we talked about Soto. There are rumors that teams are, are calling the Angels about Otani, but that he's not being moved. I if if the Cubs can get what they want for him, I think Happ is moved. I, I do think they're trying to move him but I don't know what they if they get what they want, but I am leaning toward him being gone. Okay. Nico Horner, shortstop. He's he's definitely back, absolutely. Uh, whether he's that short or not may depend on what else they do, but he's absolutely back. Patrick Wisdom, third base. I believe they will probably try to move him. Same thing I said about Ortega. I think he's, a, he's kind of a sell high uh, to a team that, that maybe needs a little bit of pop or maybe he can uh, sweeten the deal for one of those other, uh, you know, kind of higher profile guys. So I, I do not believe he's back. Okay, so this is sort of another twin entry because it involves DH first base, but you can put them where you want for whatever reason. Frank Schwindel and Alfonso Rivas. Um, I will say Rivas is back for sure. Um, Schwindel, I don't think so because... Uh, I believe the Cubs are going to be looking at, depending on what happens with Matt Mervis, who's one of their uh, their best hitting prospects, was just promoted to AAA. I think Mervis gets a, gets a call by the end of the season, and I believe he goes into camp with a really good shot uh, at, at being the first baseman on a, at least a relatively everyday basis. So I, I don't think Schwindel is back. Christopher Morrell, second base. Absolutely back, most definitely. Okay, okay. so – You've got you've got several that we're watching now that you expect to be back. Maybe not everyone in the starting lineup, but you've got several who we're watching now. And then how they fill that in, we've been led to believe will be free agents, right? Um, yeah, I think in in some spots, uh, you know, certainly I, th- I think there are some guys. You know, I mentioned Matt Mervis, uh, Jake Slaughter's another one who's been doing really well. Uh, kind of unheralded a little bit because he wasn't hitting very well at the lower levels, but has, has really shown out in uh, in Tennessee. So I think there are a few guys out there they could go and and yeah, whether they're big time free agents or if we see something similar to the you know kind of those. I know people don't want to hear this, but 2013, 2014 years where you're you're getting guys on short term deals who can fill spots for a while. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to try to do a little bit of a mix. But I don't believe we're going to see too many. Of those, again, as I mentioned, 24 being maybe the year where the, when the real kind of long-term prospects start coming up. Okay, one last question, Evan. We, I don't want to go through the whole bullpen because that always seems to be in flux. But the rotation as it exists now, of the five, who comes back? Who's still here next year, the year after? Um, you know, I'm going to say, I mean, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, I think are, are close to locks unless there's a blockbuster trade. Uh, I don't believe the market will develop for, for Marcus Stroman. So, uh, I think he's back. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is hurt. <laughs> Isn't even going to be throwing again until after the deadline by the sounds of it. And so, uh, he's essentially a lock to come back, but I think, uh, then you look at Miley and Smiley are going to be moved or, or simply their contracts will run out. So I, I do think you've got you know, really could be four of the five primary starters uh, that will be back next year. So basically Kyle Hendricks is looking like it. He, he could be an off season trade at this point and they want him healthy. They want to show him off the last two months. Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends greatly on how well he comes back because if he's still got the Homer issues, if the shoulder is even close to a question that becomes kind of difficult, obviously. Okay. Well, Evan, I appreciate it. Thanks for playing our game. Here's your lovely party. No problem. You, you get to come back again next time, whenever that is. Thanks, uh, that's thanks not, for spending that's not much time. of a gift. I'll, 
I was just no, kind of hoping not. I'd get the dump button hit and I'm done. But uh, that's cool. It's not I'll much take of a it. game. It's it. not much of a game either, Evan. So that's, that's yeah. the gift matches it. That's, that's true. Sounds Thanks, good. Evan, we appreciate. All right, it. take care. Evan Altman, editor in chief at Real Cubs Insider, co-host of the Rant, talking Cubs there. We'll take a break. Coming up later this hour, we will replay in its entirety. The Eddie Olchek interview, the interview that Eddie Olchek did with Molly and Haw during the score's 30th anniversary broadcast. The celebration at Real Time Sports Bar in Elk Grove Village. Eddie was there. Eddie talked about it. It was informative. It was emotional. And I want to share all of that with you. We'll come back with, there's, there's just stuff we have to get to, stuff from the week that you need to know. And speaking of Cubs, by the way, tomorrow, this is your reminder, the only local broadcast of Cubs-Phillies baseball tomorrow is on the score. Pre-game starts at 10.30 a.m. This is Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 670, the score. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670, the score in Odyssey Station. Welcome in, welcome back. Coming up. In the Olchek interview with Molly Haw. In the meantime, some notes and stuff we need to talk about. And for the Wake and Bake Club, <clears throat> several weeks back, uh, I brought you news of a camp in Northern California at which you would come out with a accreditation of being a Gangier, sort of the sommelier version of ganja. So you'd be a Gangier. You'd be able to examine and recommend and become an expert on pot <clears throat> looking for career opportunities for the wake and bake club members here's another one that came up this week it's in new york mayor eric adams is conducting a job search for a first ever cannabis new york city founding director the idea is to rep the city's marijuana interests once the state officially gets legal pot sales going this from the New York Post. The city is looking for a senior level professional with experience working with government, regulatory entities, or the cannabis industry. 
Well, WB Club members are certainly familiar with the cannabis industry, and that could help you. The city's pot czar will be a liaison between City Hall and the State Office of Cannabis Management. That's according to the description, but the Big Apple will be answering to the state, which has been charged with regulating the industry, just so you know. One source close to the mayor of New York, who's looking for a smokesperson, as it were, looking for someone to fill the role who has, quote, lived experiences, understands the industry, and has been unfairly targeted in the past by law enforcement to give them an opportunity to be part of the growing cannabis economy. Wake and Bake Club, there you go. Smokesperson for New York City. Smoke weed Uh, every day. There you go. Thank you, Nate Dogg. So James Feagan of The Athletic. Tomorrow is the Hall of Fame induction. Minnie Minoso goes into the Hall of Fame. Long overdue. Minnie Minoso's widow, Sharon Rice Minoso, is preparing to speak at the hall. She will speak at the induction ceremonies for her husband, the late Minnie Minoso. According to James Feagan, he tweeted this out. She said there's a 10-minute limit for speeches. And he quoted her as saying, I'm at 8.58, but that doesn't count crying. Nice. Tomorrow at the Hall of Fame ceremonies, according to John Shestakovsky, he's the Vice President of Communications and Education for the Baseball Hall of Fame, David Ortiz goes into the Hall of Fame, Big Poppy. And the Hall of Fame VP tweeted this out, David Ortiz, who wore number 34 in Boston, and he wore it to honor Hall of Famer Kirby Puckett, previous team, the Twins, is now the 340th member of the Baseball Hall. And Howard Bryant tweets, more stuff you can't make up. David Ortiz will be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame July 24th, 2022, which will be Barry Bonds' 58th birthday. They both had similar mentions in New York Times reports of leaks from lists that were kept. Uh, The All-Star Game, Fox Sports All-Star coverage, the MLB this week, averaged 7.6 million viewers across Fox and Fox Deporte. All-time lows. Did you watch it? Did you watch the All-Star Game? Were you interested? I do think that the, the, the... Players mic'd up, the conversations going on, which you can only do in an all-star game when nobody really cares, was entertaining, the mics between players and and listening in on their conversations. Um, Garrett Cole and Max Fried, although Max Fried's, for my purposes, Max Fried's microphone sucked, but the idea was terrific. Alex Manoa of Toronto was wonderful. And why I was watching that, I must have been doing something else and just had it on because it was on. And that part, well, I found interesting. I like that. Well, not enough America watched, whatever. Here's some another broadcast news. <clears throat> Tomorrow, as I said, we will be the only local broadcast of Cubs-Phillies baseball. It's on the score. Pre-game starts at 1030. Another broadcast item. Rich Eisen, I believe Northwestern's very own. You probably knew him from SportsCenter. The face of the NFL Network, that's for sure, since its founding nearly 20 years ago, will reportedly see his contract end before the new NFL season and nothing has been re-signed. Rich Eisen, there's a, he's, there's something, maybe legend's overstating it, but there's certainly a regular part of, you knew, you knew the NFL Network was right, is right. There's Rich Eisen, I'm in place where I'm supposed to be, a lot of other bodies come and go. Mike Mayock became the Raiders general manager for a while, but Rich Eisen was always Rich Eisen. Uh, I don't, who knows? Look, if the Blackhawks let Eddie go, then the NFL Network can make a mistake. One of the things about baseball, by the way, the All-Star game, the Chicago White Sox tweeted this. Our appreciation for a Byron Buxton home run expires at midnight. I think that's nicely played. 
That's nicely played. It probably didn't come from Steve Stone. So again, Jay Zawoski, I love Jay Zawoski. I want to say that again. And when he, we were talking about Eddie Olchek being basically having no choice or choosing to leave, whatever it was, the Blackhawks screwing this up. And Jay's idea that the Blackhawks need to employ a vice president in charge of what the hell are we doing here? Before that even came close to happening, but Eddie was gone. And Jay made the wonderful comparison of if you want to get younger, you've done it with Chris Vosters. The way the Blackhawks, or the way the Sox did it with Jason Benetti. And then you have Steve Stone. He and Eddie are the same kind of sport oracles. They're the same guys with credibility, the guys you trust, guys with an, a wonderful ability to explain what's going on as it's going on, what a player was thinking, what he might have thought, what the options were, and to do it with an economy of words and efficiency. It doesn't go on and on and on in the course of a broadcast. I think it's, it's a massive mistake by the Blackhawks. And I, I thought it was interesting, Brett, that Jay wasn't going to give... He wasn't going to give Blackhawk fans false hope that something might change. And that change could be that he finds a way, they find a way to bring him back. We will bring you the Eddie O interview with Molly and Haw after this break. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Saturday Suckers, thanks for listening. If nobody important listened, I'll be back next Saturday. And now we bring you the Eddie Olchek interview with Mike Mulligan and David Hoff from the score's 30th anniversary celebration. Mulligan Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. It is great to have Eddie Olchek here. Hey, He's Molly. at the broadcast, hey, Eddie. We love you, buddy. Happy anniversary, great Chicago. To have you. How are you guys great doing? To see you. I, I, right. Full disclosure here. Let, let's, yeah, full, let's full disclosure. Peel the curtain back. I got a text from Dustin about uh, eight or nine days ago. It said, hey, our anniversary's coming up. Elk Grove Village, not too far from you. What do you think? You can jump on with the boys in the morning. And I said, I'm in. Because I am. People might not know. I, I have done a little bit of work for the score back in the day day. Uh, I actually uh, was thinking about it uh, over the course of the last couple of days that uh, uh, Mitch had hired me, and I actually did a solo show, and I believe it was on Labor Day by myself. No kidding. For yeah. a couple of hours. I remember I had, uh, I had the little guy on with me, Jesse Rogers. I had Susie Colbert oh, from ESPN. Yeah. We were getting ready for Bears. <laughs> Uh, I, I think, and that was the last solo show I did for the score. So I think I, I got the message, Mitch, that uh, it went. <laughs> I remember doing a show uh, out, uh, I think out like in Naperville or Lyle area. Uh, there was a Hooters out there, and it was. I think Gail Sayers had it. I don't know if he was on every week or whatever, yeah, but I think I was out there with with Freddie, and I co-hosted a show with Freddie. Huebner. You were interviewing Gail Sayers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, I, and if I can, just tell you a quick story about Gail Sayers. So. My rookie year, of course, I'm from here, and I lived and died as a Blackhawk as a kid, and obviously I got the unbelievable opportunity to play for the franchise and then obviously broadcasting. But So we're playing the Edmonton Oilers in the 85 semifinals, okay? We're four wins away from going to the Stanley Cup final, and I'm a rookie with my hometown team. <laughs> and we're at the old building, the old Chicago Stadium, yep. and we lost the first two games in Edmonton. Now, remember, in 85 – the Oilers were just on the cusp of becoming the Edmonton Oilers. So we went to Edmonton for the first two games. They had home ice. We lost the first two games, I believe. The total score, I think, was like 21-7 to the first two games, okay? Gretzky had like, what, five and eight and whatever. So we come back home. You know, people are, you know, it's, it's May. People got their shorts on. It's warm out. They're at the, uh, the Chicago Stadium. I'm skating around in warm-ups, and the place is up for grabs. And, and, I, and if anybody had never had the opportunity to be at the Chicago Stadium for a hockey game or even a Bulls game, uh, I'm sorry you missed that because there was no better building, in my opinion, in the history of professional sports than the old Chicago Stadium. And me being able to be around yeah. and we come out for the game, 
I'm skating around in warm-ups, and I'm just like, man, oh, man. We're four wins away from going to the Stanley Cup final. We're down 2 nothing to Edmonton, but this place is up for grabs. I'm skating around right before um, we're going to have the national anthem. And as I skate to the corner, to the left of Murray Bannerman, I look into the crowd, and people are just going crazy and just clapping and everything else. All of a sudden, I look, and I just make eye contact, and there's this large human smiling, clapping like this. I look, I go... That's Gail Sayers. <laughs> Sitting three rows from the ice, I'm like, this is an important game. That's great, yeah. <laughs> the Kansas Comet. Your Kansas that, Comet is at moment. the game. So, uh, look, at uh, you guys have done an amazing job. This station, is, does, I think, has done an amazing job for all the franchises, and uh, you guys certainly uh, lead the crew here at the score. So I, I have a... Uh, a relationship here with the family here at the score and uh, really enjoyed it. And it was great to see Tommy and Chuck. And uh, I used to listen to Chuck all the time because I, I, I lived and died sports as a young yeah. kid in our town. And, uh, you know, I, I, it was it was something that uh, I was hoping that I would be able to get into. Obviously, I want to become a professional hockey player, but I thought maybe down the line that uh, maybe I could get into broadcasting of some sort and ended up happening. So it was nice to see those do guys. You remember, thank you for having me. Thanks do you for remember me. writing Chuck that letter as an 18-year-old kid that he still has? And yeah. that says, I think it says a lot about him, but even as much about you, yeah. Yeah. that you would handwrite this letter to this broadcaster about yeah. wanting to do what yeah. You ended up doing. Yeah. Well, that is the bottom line, though. You know that, right? That that is, and uh, <laughs> is that was Chuck's uh, one of his uh, famous phrases. Uh, I, I just it always enjoyed, uh, you know, listening to people and learning and trying to, uh, you know, be a part of that business someday. And I just happened to be able to do both, play professional hockey, and then obviously get into the business. So uh, great to uh, see that. Uh, my my printing wasn't very good back then. I could see that <laughs> at Brother Rice High School back on the uh, on this. And I also sent him a picture too. Mitch showed it to me. Chuck did as well. So uh, brings back a lot of memories. And uh, but thank you very much for having me today. I appreciate it. Did you always know when you were playing that you were going to be a broadcaster when you were done? Did you did you ever view your life in that fashion? Uh, I think I had aspirations, Molly, that I wanted to get into the broadcasting part of it. And, you know, I didn't know how or, but right. I just, you know, I mean, back in the day, it would be, you know, you do interviews in between periods and you thanks, you know, and you just kind of built up a relationship. And actually, I got my, I actually got my start in, in broadcasting uh, was back in 94 after we won the Stanley Cup with the Rangers. There was a work stoppage like three or four months later. And uh, everybody knows I, I'm, a, I'm a horse racing guy, and, and the people, really? at the, yeah. Then the people, <laughs> the people at the Meadowlands Racetrack were like, "Hey, you know what? You're not working. Uh, you know, why don't you come to the track? You can be our in-house handicapper on TV at the track, and uh, you know, we'll give you 800 bucks a, a show." And I'm like. Holy cow, they're going to pay me to come to the track? <laughs> what, a, what a scam this is. Because you know? all they knew would be like, all right, Molly, where's my 800? Okay, David, you're the yeah. guy. Okay, give me my yeah. betting. Give me my yeah. wager. Give me my tickets. So yeah. that was my introduction to television and broadcasting was uh, the year we had the work stoppage in wow. the NHL. I did horse racing and then push it some 25 years later, fast forward. I got the gig with NBC and, and yeah. now being a part of their Triple Crown coverage. Yeah. And before that, obviously, you go to uh, back home to Chicago, yeah. Blackhawks 2006. And, yeah. Eddie, that's where you have been yeah. and you established yourself as what I referred to yesterday, best analyst in town, one of the best in America, regardless of the sport. And it's been a whirlwind couple of days, I'm sure, for you, having gotten the news on Monday, having the news break that you and the Blackhawks are going to part company, could not come to an agreement how difficult has the last 48 hours been for you, and how would you describe what happened? Well, thank you, first off. Um, you know, yeah, it, is, it, has been a, it has been a roller coaster ride, an emotional ride, but uh, again, this was my decision. There was a contract on the table, and, and I just felt at this particular time uh, that it was best for me to just uh, step away and, and, uh, and explore other opportunities. And look at I have my unbelievable gig with TNT and, uh, you know, doing one game a week, but... Uh, you know, look at a lot of factors go into into making a decision. Uh, takes two sides to make a deal, obviously. But at the end of the day, it was my decision. I'm very much at peace with my decision. It's been an unbelievable run. I, I could not be more proud of uh, uh, of the last 16 years. You know, sitting next to the great Pat Foley for 14 of those, uh, seeing this franchise really come from from nowhere right. and. Uh, that's the leadership of, uh, of the late Mr. Wirtz, uh, Bill Wirtz, and then obviously now with Rocky and now Danny, you know, being front and center for, uh, you know, for the Blackhawks. And uh, 
It's just been, it was a dream come true. It really was. And uh, it was a real hard uh, conversation to have with Rocky uh, on Monday. It was a very difficult uh, and uh, hard uh, conversation to have with Danny and also Jamie Faulkner. Uh, but I, uh, I just feel like right now it's the best thing for me. So uh, I just want to thank the, the incredible Blackhawk fans for, you know, for supporting me through some of my most difficult times, especially it's hard to believe, but I'm going on five years since uh, I was diagnosed with uh, stage three colon cancer. And uh, knock on wood, I'm clean and clear, and that's what I'm planning. You look planning. great. I, oh, yeah, thank you, you. Thanks, yeah. guys. You look, you look great. great. Yeah. But I, it just, uh, you know, lots of... You know, lots of factors go into making a, a, a decision like this, and certainly my family was a big part of this, and some of my closest uh, friends and, and uh, people in my life. But it, at the end of the day, uh, I, would never, I would never change anything that's happened to me uh, representing this franchise. I will always feel I'm a part of the franchise. I will, I will die a Blackhawk, and uh, I'm just very thankful for getting a chance to, to work for Rocky and, and for Danny and, and seeing and, and, and developing those relationships with the players. I mean, some of the hardest conversations have been, and, and trust me, Rocky and Danny in particular, those were very difficult and very emotional. Uh, but having the conversations with um, the training staff of this team, um, the broadcasters, and a guy like Troy Murray, who was in a battle himself, was very difficult. Uh, having that conversation with Pat, even though he has moved on, um, the players, uh, in particular, uh, Kaner, and uh, some guys that have, 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 have moved on and retired or are playing in other areas to give them the heads up. So uh, many emotions, but I am very much at peace with my decision, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, very grateful for having that opportunity to represent this franchise as, as long as I have. We love you, Eddie. Yeah, we do, Eddie. Uh, you know, i got to tell you, I, I, I had this conversation with David um, around some of the trades and some of the things they were doing with the draft, right? And so I was saying to David, I, I have memories of going to Blackhawks games where literally 200 people were in the building, where you, you, could, you could throw a brick and not hit anyone. There, there was nobody in this building, and, and you worry that they're thinking that that's not so bad because they came back from that, and that's when the Cubs were won and all that. But I think it's dangerous for an organization to put the faith in people that they're always going to be there for the team. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a broadcaster like yourself, a legend, a Blackhawks legend like yourself, or just fans that, that, uh, that came to love the Blackhawks and that really made an impact on them. And I just worry mm -hmm. that they're not taking into account all the way people feel. Eddie. You know, you're the guy that we watch the game with. You're teaching us. You're telling, you know, when you say to the young kids, you're telling me, oh, that's how you do that? That's what happens. Oh, wow. There's so much information and content that you give to people watching the sport, and, and it's just wrong that it isn't being appreciated in the fashion in which they need to. Well, well look, at, well, thank you. And, 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 and I would hope that, and, and that's what we tried to do was to entertain. And, and obviously with the great Pat Foley is like, regardless of the outcome, we, we hope you enjoyed the broadcast. And, and we tried to entertain and, and laugh a little bit and, and uh, watch great Blackhawk fans enjoy their soft serve ice cream every once in a while and, uh, and, and, uh, and teach the game and, and, and not talk down to the educated fan, but then also knowing that there might be somebody that turns on the game for the first time and needs to understand what is going on. As far as what is going on right now, this probably, no, I will correct myself, this should have happened a couple of years ago. Um, the rebuild should have happened a couple of years right. ago without question. Uh, any conversation that I had had with Danny, uh, with Danny Wirtz, uh, being a part of the GM search, uh, you know, kind of brought in halfway through the search or what have you, along with Patrick Sharp and Marion Hosa, uh, I went, through, I went through something very similar like this when I was coaching in Pittsburgh where we decided to blow it up and, and, and move every asset that we had. Now, the understanding was is that you had a couple of uh, generational players that were on the verge of becoming available, and we just happened to get lucky in Pittsburgh where we moved up from the draft from third to first to get a guy by the name of Marc-Andre Fleury, the first overall pick. And then the next year, we ended up finishing second in the, in the lottery system and, and ended up getting Evgeny Malkin. If we would have finished first, we could have got Evge uh, uh, Alexander Ovechkin. Right. And then the next year, there was no hockey, and then 
we were lucky enough that the lottery system, the way it worked is that we were weighted in a system where Sidney Crosby was available and we had a 50-50 chance once we were up in Anaheim. We were able. So there was a plan, and I do believe, and I can say this without fact, there is a plan in place right now for the Blackhawks. It's going to take some time. Like, it is going to take some time. The Hawks know where they were, where they are, and where they are trying to get to. Now, they will be evaluated couple of years from now, but it's going to take some time. Uh, I hope that the fans understand, and I think Kyle and his staff have tried to uh, elaborate on that and understand, look, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get rough. And then obviously in the forefront now is what the hell is going to happen with Johnny and with Kaner? Right. And those guys hold the keys. They have the no, you know, they have the no movement clause and they, they are driving the bus. So there's a lot there, but I, I do believe is that they understand. And in order to turn this thing around, and again, hindsight is what it is. They should have done this a couple of years ago. But again, look, you can't. You've change always it. believed you that. Can't change it. You've, you've kind of always yeah. said that. Can't, can't, you can't. You can't change that. You know, no. when you're when you're sitting dead last in the Western Conference for a while, or you finish seventh place in a seven-team division, there has you know, the understanding. You know that okay. You know, you have to change at some point. Again, look at you learn from it, and 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 obviously massive changes have happened over there, just for for obvious reasons. So um, it's going to take some time, and and I'm hoping against hope is that they can turn it around. And look at you have to draft well. You think about what has happened here over the course of the last couple of years, and not trying to go too inside hockey here, Mitch. Mitch, do we want to make the announcement? Talking that, too much uh, hockey, Eddie. Do we, do we want to make the announcement about the the show that I'm going to be a part of moving forward? The, 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 the ten minute the ten the ten minute hockey show dump and chase with Eddie Olchek right is that is that is that what we're gonna do for ten minutes twelve twelve o'clock midnight every uh, every listen. Monday or I, every Sunday I'd night stay up, yeah, Eddie. so, I'd stay so up. you know look at the last couple of years when when you look at some draft picks you have a, you, you know you, you have a couple of picks where again it's always easy to look back but you know, you have to draft well right you have to make the move I will say one last thing on that and we can change the subject. The, get, the making the move and moving Kirby Doc to me, I thought was a smart move by Kyle Davidson and his staff, and to get a first rounder for Kirby Doc, right. who has uh, has underachieved to this point. Now, in fairness, he hasn't been healthy a lot of this time, but the biggest thing is, and I learned this when I was in Pittsburgh, and I tried to relay this to the franchise when I was a part of the GM the GM search, is that. Figure out, and I'm sure Mitch probably does this with the talent here at the score, is figure out who in the hell your people are before the rest of the league does. Right. And if you can do that, you're going to be well ahead of the game. You're going to make mistakes. You may move out a player a little bit early. Yeah. But at the end of the day, why keep throwing bad money after bad money? Now, look, at I hope, look, at, I like Kirby. I hope he goes to Montreal. He thought there was pressure here in Chicago. Just wait. <laughs> there is a little bit more pressure up in Montreal. So at the, at the end of the day, I thought Kyle made... I thought an outstanding trade to be able to get an asset. Now you got to draft well in order. So right, I right. think the the outcome will be proven here in the next couple of years, and and hopefully the hawk can find. You know, you look at. Are you gonna find ever gonna find ever gonna find another Caner? You know, no. I, I, sure, I sure hope so. Look I don't at, think so. Okay, but the generational player can really turn the franchise around, and I think that that's certainly what uh, the Hawks are hoping for and, 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 and see if it comes to fruition. Okay, I don't want to change the subject just yet, Eddie, okay. because I think the last 10 minutes were a great example of how the Blackhawks made such a colossal error in judgment here because respect the way that you've handled this, the grace with which you're, 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 you're displaying is like an example for everybody. But you just explained the rebuild, okay? Yeah. You summarized what they're doing, and nobody is going to be able to do that as well as you just did that. And having that on a nightly basis, on a regular basis, is a value to the team and the organization. David, That's hard David, to estimate. David, I don't mean to interrupt you. And and I, know, I know it's your show. Look, look at look at <laughs> the, the, the and your show, Mike. <laughs> they, 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 the, they did want me back. They offered me a contract. And look, at, this, is, this is my decision. And there are many reasons why. And I, and I said publicly, and I gave my word to Rocky Wirtz and to Danny. I am going to handle this the right way. And you are. I, I am not. I am not right. Right, this is me. My reputation is everything. I am not going to, I, I am not going to get into... I'm not doing that. Now, if I have to defend myself at some point, yes. just because, okay, I will. But I've said, look at, look at, again, my decision. 
They wanted me back. I wanted to be back. But at the end of the day, I just, I just took that step back. Look at, I, will always, I, I love this franchise. I love, this is my home. This is where I will be always. But at this particular time, and I know it's going, it's hard. It's frustrating people probably just how does this happen or whatever. Look at, I wish, this, I, I wish everything would have been taken care of seven or eight months ago. That's what I was hoping. And it never happened. And, and, and we got to this point. And, and when contract negotiations happen, things happen. You read, you feel, you see the room. I pushed my agent off to the side in order to do this deal because I wanted to feel and see and hear what the hell was going on behind closed doors. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't getting third person. And then I was able to make that decision. So I wasn't blaming it on my, on my agent. I wasn't blaming it on any representative. Is that I wanted to be the person in the room to be able to know what is going on. And then I calculated everything. And, and like I said, I'm, look, at, I am disappointed. 100% I am. But I just felt that this was best for both sides for me to just take a step back. What is the racetrack in Seattle? Emerald, uh, uh, it's it's at? actually, hold on a second. <laughs> let, let, let's, let's, it's Emerald Downs. I will answer okay. that part of that. Thank you. But right now I am, um, I want to work. I, I love hockey. I have my opportunity at TNT, 100%. Um, I have some opportunities. I'm weighing them. My wife, obviously, of, of 33 years, so we've been together just a little bit longer than the score. So, um, <laughs> uh, Right now, uh, I am communicating, obviously, with a lot of people. Um, I've had some opportunities, uh, you know, in other aspects of it, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, look, at, I, I love what I do. Uh, I love calling hockey games and teaching and instructing and entertaining, and uh, look at all due respect, everything that's look at personally that has gone on here, uh, we all know what's going on in, in, uh, in the real world out there. We understand, and we're in the entertainment business, and uh, the real world has, has struck our city. Uh, it happens, seems to happen on a daily basis, and then obviously up in the northwest suburbs where I live and has affected uh, my immediate family on what transpired up in, on July the 4th. So understanding is that, uh, you know, the real world is, is we need to focus on that and understand and put perspective. Uh, but the entertainment aspect of, of what you guys do and then, you know, what I have done here for the last 16 years is, is to take people away from the real world for a couple of hours every day or a couple of hours at the, the broadcast for the Blackhawk games. And, and if I can, I would, uh, the relationship with the team members behind the scenes with the Blackhawks and also at NBC Sports Chicago, uh, in particular, Kevin Cross and John Shipman, uh, our buddy Cap, obviously, uh, over there as well, and, and just all the men and women that uh, helped the broadcast, and in particular, uh, Mitch Kersner, uh, Dave Turner, and Dave Ross, who are the, the, the men behind the scene of putting on Blackhawk hockey over the last boatload of years for, for Rossi and DT, and then Mitch taking over here the last couple of years. Uh, I've been very lucky to be able to work with some of the most talented people behind the scenes, as you guys do on a daily basis, and uh, it won't be the same. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I become a better broadcaster uh, by working with those type of people. So I uh, tip my hockey helmet. Uh, I don't have a helmet on right now, but uh, maybe when I leave here, I might need to put on an old Jofa or something. So, uh, but I, I, I thank them from the bottom of my heart for all the hard work that, uh, that they put in to help put our broadcast on, and hopefully people have been entertained and uh, put a little smile on their face and uh, give them perspective over the, uh, the last little while. Always admired your perspective, Eddie. And I think that when you look at Chicago as a hockey city, you referenced Kirby Dot going to Montreal, different environment, different level of pressure. In terms of Chicago, I know that the way you handled this has been exemplary. When you look at what's ahead for the Hawks, mm -hmm. how do you think the popularity of the sport will suffer? Or are you know the, the Hawk fans are small but loyal? base uh, but it's small uh, well and will I, it gets how much smaller will it get because of the struggles ahead well I, I would I would disagree with you as far as the small part I think there is a boatload of Blackhawk fans now if you're saying comparing them to Bears I heard you guys talking earlier you know yeah. Bears City yeah. I understand that it's all perspective look if you have entertaining and, and uh, uh, an entertaining product people will come People, people will come and they will watch. Look at wins or losses, you want to see an effort. Look, at, yeah, you want to win all the time. Look at winning cures all. Ratings were down the last couple of years. Sure, you want to blame the broadcasters? Go ahead. Teams winning, unbelievable numbers. Broadcasters, we, Never we, weren't, we, we, we weren't blamed. <laughs> so, so, you know, those type of things are going to happen. And look, at, I, 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 look at, I was a fan. I think we have the best fans in the world. And I, I, I hope... 
I hope they understand, and I, and I, and I believe, and, and in my conversations with Kyle, Kyle Davidson, um, the understanding of, of being out there and, and, and talking to the fans. I, look at, I, like I said, I lived it in Pittsburgh. I was the coach, but I was our spokesperson, and that's one of the reasons I got the job is because I could relate to the fans and be able to just give them enough. Like, you're not going to give them everything. That's just the reality of it. But just give them enough to understand and, and share with them and, and, and give them a little bit of insight on, on what we're trying to get accomplished. And I know Kyle's, I, I know that's, that's an important emphasis from the organization to Kyle and obviously with Luke Richardson, with my pal Lukey, and I enjoyed your guys' interview with them there a little while. And that was a hard conversation when I let Luke know that I wasn't going to be, you know, wasn't going to be with him and Steph this year, his wife Stephanie. And, uh, uh, but I think that's going to be really important to be able to relay that message and look at sell the brand, right? Sell the game. And understand, yeah, it's, it's going to get rough. Like, there's going to be some rough patches. Uh, so that is going to be very, very important. But I think Blackhawk fans, I know there's a lot of frustration. I, un- I understand that, and, and I respect that. And, you know, you're fans, and you can and do and say what you please. But it, at the end of the day is that there is a plan, and uh, hopefully this will pan out for, for, so, every, for everybody involved. So let's, let's just talk about you. Let's not talk about the Blackhawks. Is there a plan? Do you – I mean, you know – what you do well, and you know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you comfortable moving forward that you have a plan in place that will resolve whatever, you know, even if this was your decision and you didn't yeah. like this was, yeah. was happening, do you know what's going to happen in the future? I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen okay. in the future. I don't. I don't. I know, I know that the NHL schedule is coming out soon, so then yeah. I will know. <laughs> then I will know. But all I know is I got... Uh, I better not what say what I'm doing on Friday because uh, my son might get a little upset. But anyway, so then I got a family trip coming, and I'm going to Saratoga for NBC for Good the for, for the Whitney. Yeah. Shocking. And, and then yeah, well, and then the following weekend I'm the uh, keynote speaker at the uh, Jockey Club uh, Hall of Fame induction at Saratoga. So I'm going back that following weekend. <laughs> wow. So, you know, I got a free uh, free weekend at Saratoga, and. Uh, and then just kind of get ready for training camps around the league. So uh, that's really what's on the docket for me. And uh, I, look at, I, I love, I love hockey. This is my life, and uh, I, I will, I will be involved in it, whether it's on a, another level or I will just continue to be on a national level. And this will be my home. And uh, in, in for the time being, right now, um, you know, we're just going to uh, kind of explore other opportunities. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.